Up next is the Daily Devotional by Pastor Tim Dodson, pastor of Believer's Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. Subscribe to our podcast by visiting burningdogradio.com and clicking on subscribe. Thanks for listening to Burning Dog Radio. Luke chapter 17. Beginning in verse 1 we read, He said to the disciples, It is impossible that no occasion of stumbling should come, but woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if the millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea rather than he should cause one of these little ones to stumble. Now historically, the greater church has taught this passage Well, I would say in a rather convenient fashion. Now, the classic application of this lesson has always been directed towards those who have chosen to indulge in any number of worldly vices, be it having a beer or smoking or any number of questionable practices that an individual church or denomination has decided to criminalize. I'm not talking about clear and actual overt sins per scripture, but rather singular interpretations, if you will, that have been passed along from generation to generation. This is a common practice that is found in any number of churches today. Now, this isn't to say that these actions are all good and that they are right any more than we claim that they are overt sins. We need to know this passage doesn't allow us to swing in the opposite direction either, to knee-jerk in a way that license us to indulge freely without question. But we do need to know that it is an oversimplification of this passage to limit its application to, well, a certain few behaviors and practices that we have demonized, and of course, we personally do not participate in. For to interpret this passage in such a manner, we can wholly lose the greater directive and simply use this passage as a club to hit people with. It is possible to stumble our brother through religious freedoms that we enjoy. Yet it seems we can be guilty of a much greater and I think a much quieter stumbling of our brother. For we often trip up our fellow brothers and sisters in quiet rooms. Whispers behind closed doors and maybe even in church pews. This kind of stumbling goes on over the telephone, text messages, and clandestinely away from transparency and accountability. Slowly, these folks, these stumblers, if you will, seduce others to doubt, to criticize and find fault, and to embrace their pride in their flesh. The word offend means to be a stumbling block, to bait, to lure, or to trip up someone. Once such a relationship is established, you need to know it is a slippery slope. Out of fellowship, then out of the church, and finally isolated, out of a relationship with God. In this offense lies the great stumbling of another, and it goes on daily within the family of God. It is a dangerous position of which so many are guilty. Verse 3 of our text says, Be careful. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. 
If he sins against you seven times in the day and seven times returns saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Now verse 3 begins with, take heed to yourselves, quote unquote. All the warnings in the world are going to come to nothing if we believe somehow that we are above the hand of God, outside of his dealings, and excused for sins that, well, we condemn others for. We allow our pride to control our steps. We alone hold the blame for our downfall. Take heed to yourselves. That allows little room to blame others for our behavior. For two chapters, Jesus has been bringing quiet and closet sin out into the limelight. And now he reminds us all that he is a savior of grace and he is calling us to that same exercise of grace. Our doors must always be open to the repentant heart. If someone wants back into the family of God, even if he has transgressed that very family, there must be opportunity for real forgiveness and restoration, even if that sin has occurred more than once. But please note that there must be repentance for there to be forgiveness. Now that doesn't mean that we are to carry hatred, or nor do we have permission to exercise vengeance against anyone, even without repentance. However, real forgiveness, by its very nature, mandates restoration. No such forgiveness is advised or called for at all unless a turning from that sin behavior is factual and real. And often that repentance requires, well, some cleaning up on the part of the offending individual. Leviticus 6 speaks of such a restoration, and it is good counsel in such situations. Verse 5 of our text says, The apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you would tell this sycamore tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Oh, how we want to run off to the mall with this one under our belt. Let us not be so quick to latch on to this promise before we step back and really look at the text in its completeness and its context. When the apostles began this exchange with a request, their request was to increase our faith, not increase our wealth. Jesus pointed to the path of greater faith. However, let us remember that to increase one's faith, we must first have some measure of faith to begin with. Jesus wasn't giving the recipe of faith here, but rather how to increase it. So first, we must ask ourselves, well, what is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is the, quote, confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot see, end quote. It is the evidence of a reality. Hope, in scripture, you see, does not mean what hope means to us in today's vernacular. It carries a real meaning of surety. It has in it the idea of confidence and a belief in a fact. John 14 verses 13 and 14 says, Whatever you will ask in my name, I will do it. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. 
Now, asking for something in his name is a far cry from calling Christ as if he is a, well, a genie in a bottle. Asking in his name encompasses all the power and the position behind that name. However, in his name is his will. In his name resides his will. When we ask with a righteous heart, we ask in the light of his will, his plan, his grace. In this we can do no wrong, and in this we are truly undefeatable. That was our daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson. For more information about Tim Dodson and Believers Church, visit jfbelievers.com.